Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Iron Brew Podcasting Conversation Series. Now, you may remember that just over a year ago, the Scunthorpe United legend Chris Hope joined us on the podcast to chat about the iron in relation to that particular season, given that he'd seen a lot of them through his work with Radio Humberside. Now, we said then that we'd like to have him back on to do a proper in-conversation episode, and we're delighted to finally be able to bring that to you now. So this is the first of a two-part special where the former commentator Tony Shepherdson chats to the former Scunthorpe United defender and captain about his career and time at the club. Enjoy. Hi, Tony. Hi, Chris. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm all good. Fabulous. Your daddy, John Hope, he was a footballer and he played yes. in goal for Sheffield United and Darlington. But is this where you got a lot of your inspiration from? Did you go to your dad for advice? And uh, did, you, did your brother Richard, was he also mentored by your father? Yeah, massively. My roots really are in the northeast. I was born in Sheffield when my dad was playing for Sheffield United and... Um, I think the biggest thing I took sort of growing up with my dad, you know, he, he moved to the North East and, you know, had to retire through injury. And on the back of, like, you know, he was sort of at the top of his game playing for Sheffield United in the old first division against, uh, you know, Man United and stuff. And he just broke into the England, it was like under-23s then, and like in team sort of Kevin Keegan and stuff. And then he had this bad knee injury and it just finished him and at like sort of 24, 25-ish. And then he got into sort of non-league football up at Stockton Town. And, you know, we did every weekend was going up to sort of, you know, see him, Newcastle Blue Star, all these sort of big sort of non-league teams. So that was my sort of, uh, you know, my childhood was going to the, all these games. But my dad, you know, from playing football, he just said, look, you know, you just got to enjoy yourself while you can. It's a short career. And, you know, things more attitude that he used to drill into me. He said, you know, you just got to be, you know, if you make mistakes, don't worry about it. Um, just be sort of focused. You know, there's, you know, when you get in the football environment, it's brilliant. But, you know, there's always people who want to take your place. So you've got to do that bit extra. And, um, yeah, he's a massive mentor of mine and my brothers. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, my my father passed away a couple of years ago. But, um, you know, he over my career... I always, you know, whether he could come and watch me or not, I always on the phone after the game speaking to him and he'd be like how I did. And, you know, it was, a good, it was a good source of, you know, if you had a bad game and certainly when I was younger, I needed that uh, phone call just to sort of mull things over with him. I was terrible, especially at Scunthorpe early doors. If we lost a game, I'd stew on it for weeks, you know, until, until we played another game. Like, if we had like... You know, I always used to yeah. love it when we had a Saturday and a Tuesday game because, like, if the result didn't go a Saturday, you can put it right on the Tuesday. But if you had a full week, he used to sort of eat away at me. So, like, Dad there just to sort of, like, calm me down a bit and just sort of talk about things rationally was excellent. But, um, you know, the older you get, the experience comes and you sort of dealt with it by the time you get back home or, you know, I come in with a bear with a sore head, at least would give me a whack around the head and go, you know, you got two kids here in the time and, you know, you need to sort your head out. So you, yeah. you, you deal with things a little bit better. <laughs> was there ever any sibling rivalry between you and Richard? And did you ever play against him in a competitive match? 
Yeah, I mean, not, I wouldn't say there's a rivalry ever. Um, you know, Richard's six and a half years younger than me, so um, both centre-halves. Um, Rich, very good player. Um, you know, left-footed, so that was a difference. He was, he, technically, you know, he, the kid could play. He was very good on the ball. And I think the difference between me, and we've talked about it, is that I love football. He he liked it, but it was a job for him. You know, he's never the big. You know, I, my life's football and still is. But you know, with Richard, he he was sort of. I'm not saying he didn't love it, but you know, it, it was a job to him, and so that was sorry the difference really. And he did the rounds at sort of lower leagues. I mean, I played for Scunthorpe against Darlington when Richard was there, and it was quite funny because we we're marking each other on corners, and obviously I have a lot older than him, so I was sort of getting into his ribs a little bit. And, giving him a bit of, you know, I'm going to score. And he was sort of straight-faced, dead serious at the time because he was probably about, I don't know, early 20s, maybe something like that, 19, 20. And, you know, it, it was all new to him where I was a little bit more experienced. And um, but that was good fun. And um, But, yeah, I only played against him once or twice. Um, but there was never a rivalry. And, you know, we sort of crossed past the odd time. But... Um, you know, it was. I was really proud of him, and um, you know, he had a decent career. Had a promotion in Northampton, a good team there, where Jamie Forrester was playing for him um, within there. And um, it's funny, so you have these sort of. Richard was playing for teams. I was playing for teams, and then you know we talk now in like Jamie Forrester in New Gailey, and you know we cross paths again with them lads at Scunthorpe. So we sort of played, and again a lot of lads and so that was sort of you know you, you always had that common bond really but um, you know whenever I came off the pitch obviously looked for his results wherever he's playing and um, and then secondly Middlesbrough <laughs> Let's go back to your early years as a junior you joined Darlington 89-90 but didn't actually make your debut but moved on to Nottingham Forest Yeah you didn't make a debut for Forest, but what was the tale in between going from Darlington to Forest? Yeah, well, um, I suppose like it, like technically, but I actually did make a debut for Darlington. I played in the League Cup, um, uh, which was my, I think I just turned 17. We played Kidderminster Harriers away. And I think the, the Brian Littles and managers at the time, he sort of thrown a few of the young lads in to give them a bit of experience. Um I mean, the, it was bizarre, really, how I ended up at Forest. Um, basically, Darlington had just gone up. They'd obviously been relegated to conference. They had a good season. They went up. And then at the end of the season, they went to Mallorca. And um, while they were there, Brian Clough and the rest of the Nottingham Forest team were there on holiday as well. And they'd got chatting, apparently, and um, um, they'd asked if they had any decent young players at Darlington. And my name got sort of thrown into the hat. Um, and then I was asked to go on a um, pre-season two of the under-20 team to Zurich. Um, so the, the gaffer at the time, Brian Little, gave a blessing. He said, look, it's going to be, if anything, it's a good experience for you. Just go and enjoy yourself. So I did. And um, at the time, we, because we were non-league, uh, technically, Darlington, our youth team games were sort of against local teams up in the northeast. So, you know, um, we were playing teams up at Newcastle or around the Middlesbrough Stockton area. And I think my last game was against like Hartlepool Powerworks. And um, I've, one of the first games I played for Forest on this tour was against Real Madrid under 20. So it was a sort of, it was pulls apart, really. Um, but I went there, enjoyed myself, did OK, I thought. But didn't think anything of it. I just thought, you know, it was it was a really good experience. Roy Keane and 
Steve Stone and people like that were out in the in the youth team south at the time. So um, came back in the summer, and I was out at a friend's house. My mum had rang and said, "Look, um, you need to get back round. The manager's here." And I'm thinking, "Well, have I been out and they've caught me out or something?" And I couldn't really think what it was. Anyway, he came round. We sat down in mum and dad's house, and he said, "Look, um, Forest were impressed with you, and they want to uh, sign you." I think it was 50,000, which was obviously then was a lot of money for a lad who was, you know, 17 years old. And obviously for Darlington as well, financially, it was excellent for them to sort of improve the squad going back into the Football League. So it was a no-brainer for them. So that's how it sort of came around. And you mentioned one a name, uh, name-dropping, of course. Yeah. Um, it was one of the world's most colourful managers, Brian Clough. Yeah. Did you have a lot to do with Cluffy? And have you got any... Cluffy stories. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, obviously, when I signed, I, I went down with my parents and um, uh, met him when I signed. And um, I mean, my, through my whole time at, at Forest, he called me Darlington. He always used to call the younger lads from where they'd sort of come from. And um, but uh, yeah, he was he was fantastic. I mean, um, you know, bless him. It was. When I signed, it was obviously I went sort of straight into the youth team and I was sort of playing a bit of reserves. And, um, you know, I had a great three. It was a brilliant sort of club to, um, because they were doing, you know, flying high at the time. I think it was the first season I was there. They got to the infamous FA Cup final against Tottenham. Um, and that was one of the stories, you know, he always sort of took a couple of lads from the youth team um, with them to sort of help with the kit and stuff like that. And me and Phil Gilchrist went with the team and we stayed overnight in the hotel and we sort of travelled on the bus and sorted all the kit and it was such a good experience because obviously all Wembley and um, the, all the fans outside and um, just before the game as the, the the teams was sort of in the tunnel, old Wembley tunnel, um, the boss came along and he said, look, you know, get yourselves into the lineup to walk out. Me and Gilly sort of looked at him and he went, you know, get in, get in. So you did as, as you were told and um like we walked out um, with the team and national anthem, sang national anthem, but and I was well, I looked straight across from me. It was Paul Gascoigne, and it was like just bizarre. It was like surreal. And then we met sort of Prince Charles, Prince Diana, and um, all that sort of went on. And um, then the boss was in his suit, and he said um, to me, "Gilly, right, we need to go and get changed. I need to get my green top on." And um, I've never missed the start of a, a game, so the pressure is on for me and him, um, Gilly, to sort of help him get changed into all his his um, training kit ready for the match. And we had to go down the Royal Tunnel, and um, he's basically throwing his clothes over the Royal Car and um, getting changed. We helped him get changed and, and came out. And um, during the game, and um, obviously, um, if you can remember the old Wembley, there's like a bit of a Quite, you were sat quite a bit off the pitch and um, there was a cameraman sort of kept Kate coming over and sticking a camera right in his face from about 20 yards away. And um, he went, he just turned to me and went, Darlington, he said, um, you need to go and stand in front of that cameraman. And um, I was like, oh, he's like, put me in the right spot because obviously you had to walk sort of 20 yards, there's no one in front of us. And I sort of got up and started walking towards the pitch where this cameraman was and you can see it's like Terry Venables and the Spurs like um, squad just looking, going, what's this lad doing, you know? And um, so I, I just walked up to Cameron and stood in front of him and he was like, oh, you get out of the way. And I went, look, I'm really sorry, the boss told me he's standing in the way. 
and I had to walk <laughs> back and they realised what went on and like they were sort of laughing as, as this was going on and, like I was sort of stood in no man's land with a royal box above me and everyone probably looking thinking what's this lad doing you know and then I think they soon quickly realised that you know I was obviously shielding the boss from the camera and then I came back and he went well done son and just sat there but um yeah, he had he had a, he had a way of ways, you know you did as you were told, but um, you know I've certainly got in some sort of scripts and um, <laughs> which your boss had sort of put me in, really. Yeah, actually, I was at that match, and you mentioned uh, a man there, uh, Gascoigne. Yeah. I felt when Gascoigne came out for the warm up, he looked that revved up and yeah, ready to go. He he did look like he, he was going to do somebody some damage, and I felt. It, that he shouldn't have even been on the pitch when he got injured. He should have been sent off. Yeah, he was... Because um, obviously, like I said, we were sort of on the pitch with a, with a team and there was a few of the lads like um, Des Walker and Stuart Pearce and uh, Nigel and people like that who'd obviously in the England set up with him and just come back from um, obviously a very successful World Cup where they got to semi-finals. So... And um, I remember, like, we stood together and, like, Des was talking to um, the lads and was saying, like, Gaz is pumped for this. He said he's, like, you know, he said, like, almost, like, you know, on drugs. <laughs> I don't remember that, but like, he seemed so high and, like, up for it. Um, and he did. And, like, you know, he just doing his usual, resting around and sort of enjoying the moment. But, you know, the game started and he was just, like, I remember his tackle on um, Parks and it was, like, you know... These days, he'd probably get eight-match ban or something for it. But, um, you know, he, he, the ball's bounced and he saw six studs in Parks' his chest. It's a horrible challenge. And you're thinking back, it's a, it's a definite sending off. But, um, you know, and, and, and actually, when I think about it, I was a big Gascoigne fan. I loved him. He's northeast East like, And, you know, saw a lot of him sort of at Newcastle and stuff growing up. And um, certainly massively admired him and... You know, I wish there was sort of more players around like him who could beat a man. But, um, you know, thinking back, I thought to myself, I wish he did get sent off because, well, in two ways. Because one, you know, that might have helped us win the game. But in the second one, he probably wouldn't have got that injury. And I think that was as good as he was. Um, I don't think he ever reached the heights um, after that knee injury. Obviously, we went to Lazio and stuff. But he was he was a fantastic player. Well, I definitely think on the back of that knee injury, um, and, and actually for his mental health, missing that um, amount of football, I think it definitely, he, he was never the same player really. So, yeah, definitely sending off um, and it might have saved him from injury if, if he had. Yeah, I quite agree with you there. But uh, life goes on and you signed for Scunthorpe United for £50,000. Quite a fee really for someone as young going to a fourth division club. Did the fee worry you at all? Well, again, um, sorry, I'm sorry to correct you a little bit, but actually I have to sign for free. Um, it's actually on my wiki page, I'd signed for 50,000. And um, um, the story behind that was obviously um, I'd sort of had two really successful years at Forest and the youth team, I was playing regular reserves. And then, it, like it is at these clubs, you know, um, you're there and they're, they're big squads, you know, they were... Uh, you know, it was the first year of the Premiership and they brought some more players. Carl Tyler come in as centre-half. And I was always sort of down the pecking order because you're behind sort of Des Walker and Steve Chelsea. It was incredibly hard to break through anyway. But um, even more centre-half sort of joined and sort of got knocked back down again. And I ended up going on loan to Kettering half-season who were conference at the time, which is probably the best thing I did because 
got me out playing some, well, I say proper football, but playing for points and giving me experience, um, you know, certainly from the physical side of it. And um, at the end of the season, I'd, I got released and, and understandably so. And, you know, when you look back, I wasn't bitter about it. I just, you know, if the fact of the matter is, Tony, I wasn't good enough to break through at that, at that time. And, um, you know, so I thought, um, I think if I hadn't gone out alone, it might have been tricky for me. But um, I had sort of nine or ten clubs sort of knocking on my door saying, look, you know, we'd, we'd like to sign you. And I went and spoke to Lou Macari at Stoke and um, Northampton and Darlington and we were interested again. And there was, you know, a few other bits of, you know, teams about. But Richard Money had contacted me and said, look, will you come and speak to us? So I went and spoke to Richard. And funny enough, when I was 16, before I signed for Darlington, I got rejected by Scunthorpe. Um, I went and played some youth team games, uh, also some trial games, and Richard had spoke to me. And it was really, I've still got the letter, actually, and he said, look, you know, um, I think you're a good player, but, you know, physically might not be up to it. And probably at 16, I probably wasn't. And um, But, you know, I appreciated his honesty, and um, I went and spoke to Richard at the time. And obviously, Bamford Park was fairly new. And um, what I wanted, um, you know, I didn't want to... Um, someone to say you're guaranteed the first team player but I wanted a chance and I just felt at the time at Scunthorpe you know Richard had brought a couple of decent players in and um, you know I, I quite like the way he spoke to me and just said look you know I said I'm not guaranteed but you're definitely in the first team squad and you know then it's up to you and I just that's all I wanted I just wanted a chance to to play league football and um, you know after three years at the Forest of not making a breakthrough really so um, yeah, I, I came down to Scunthorpe. I, I liked what I saw, and um, it sort of went from there. And, and to further, you know, that first season, Richard, the pre-season went really well. He enjoyed it, you know, and had some really good players like Grezer and Matt Elliott. I made good friends straight away, and sort of moved moved to Scunthorpe. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time, and you know, my whole time there. But you know, it was that first season was exciting for me to be playing league football at a, at a good club. Yeah, coming in with you that season was. Paul Wood, Russell Bradley, Steve Thornberg, yeah. Ian Carmichael, Ian Jureff. Did yeah. it help that there was quite a lot of new faces at the club for you to yeah. settle in? Did that help you settle in more quickly? I think definitely so. Um, you know, I, I I think what helped me, I'd, I'd sort of moved away from home when I was 17 and sort of used to sort of being away and um, mixing quite quickly. In the forest, there was a big squad. Um, there was like 40 of pros or something at the time we included younger ones but it was a big big old t- squad I had two reserve teams so you know you get sort of into they had three changing rooms so like you got used to sort of mixing with different people and stuff like that so um and I've always sort of been that character which I'd like to think I sort of because of my background with my dad and going to like a lot of football and even on non-league teams when I was a kid so I was in amongst the lads in the changing rooms from a very young age so I was quite comfortable going into sort of changing rooms and, and, and being comfortable like that but it definitely helped and um, you know Richard had made a lot of signings and to add it to what he'd already got there and um, it was exciting because I just think you know and actually the start of that season I thought we played very well and it sort of fell away um, after Christmas a little bit um, but you know we you know it's definitely the makings of that I think it was a big learning curve for Richard because I think he um you know, his training is, and actually as a coach, he's very, very good. I just think, you know, a few results and performances dropped a little bit and I don't think he ha- ha- could handle it at the time. And I think as a manager, you know, when you're a younger manager as well, it's 
you've got to go through these sticky um, positions or you know times to make you a better manager in the long run. So uh, that's sort of what happened. I think obviously Big Matty leaving as well was a um, you know who was sort of a cornerstone of, in, in centre back um, was a big loss as well. But um, you know, how did you rate that? Tell you. Yeah, oh, he's brilliant. He's one of the best centre halves. I've played. I've been lucky. I've played with some good lads at the back, and you know, for good experience. But you know, when I went to the club and my first day there, and we're doing pre-season, and the lads were calling him Seb, and I couldn't really work out what the, the why his nickname was that. And um, I spoke to Grezer, and Grezer was saying like he's, you know, he said, "Oh, just watch him in pre-season. He's a terrible runner." And I think it had come like they'd done some run. Um, a couple of days before rides uh, arrived, and he was basically laid under a tree, couldn't run any further. So they given the nickname Seb Core. But you know, that aside, he was technically. I mean, he's a big lad. I mean, Matty six three four, big old unit. But boy, could that boy play? You know, a great defender and um, excellent on the ball. And um, like I say, he's, I'm not surprised he went on and had the career he did because he was. He was very, very good. And I think if he'd been, you know, you look at the, the game it's now where it's probably playing out from the backs, um, um, used a lot more. Um, Matty would have been one of the top defenders, I'm sure, around. But uh, he was he was very, very good. And again, he was one of the lads that helped me settle in really quickly. I'd, um, obviously, me and John Watson were in sort of digs together. And um, sort of we, there was a lot of the lads lived in Scunthorpe. So um, Matty... Had a house um, um, with his missus, and um, Graham Alexander was in with him, and Jason White was as well. So, um, and we sort of knocked him out with them. And Neil Treble was close by. Um, so socially, we used to go out on a Wednesday together and at a weekend, and that's what helps you settle in quite quickly. I know it's uh, frowned upon now, but um, back in them days, you know, everyone used to enjoy themselves a little bit through the week, and then obviously knuckle down for the games at the weekend. So that certainly helped me settle in. Picking up on that, um, I think you must have looked after yourself because you, you've had a couple of spells where you played uh, a lot of consecutive games, both for Scunthorpe uh, and for Gillingham. Did you take a lot of uh, care with your diet, your training, your sleeping? Yeah, I've been asked that quite a bit, really. Um, I, I think I think I've always been... I suppose like most, I've always been passionate about my football, but whether it's a bit of luck, just the way I'm made genetically or something, you know, I, I did, saying that I did pick up injuries in my second season at Scunthorpe, almost to the point of like, um, that the second season, I'd obviously had a fairly decent first season, I played a reasonable amount of games, the second season I remember um, getting injured, I missed the, um, obviously Dave Moore took over um, in charge and those were the days where we only had two subs so I wasn't really in Dave's plans to start with which was fine and you know you're obviously battling for you know to, to, to sort of get back in there and I sort of picked up a um, bad injury we, we were up in the, on the Astro Brig and um, I went right over and I sort of broke my ankle and I, I struggled sort of to get back from that and then I had a game against Northampton and I, I inched my toe there and I didn't really play any football up to um, Christmas and then after that I'd, I sort of went on this run of like games or not being injured for for a, a long time and um, I think what I, you know obviously as a younger lad I've just sort of touched on there you sort of enjoy yourself and you live in as a footballer and you go out a little bit and um, and that was part of it you know you sort of the camaraderie in the squad and stuff like that but um I think what sort of helped us a little bit um, 
a bit later on is when Jeannie Baker came to the club and um, she was obviously a dietitian. I think so she came in when Mick Buxton was there and then Lawsy sort of helped. So she came in even more after that and um, she was obviously, her background was with the Olympic swimming team and you know, she came in as a nutritionist when nutrition wasn't really, was probably not even thought about by, I'd say, 90% of the teams at the time, especially down, you know, in, in the uh, League Two, World Fourth Division. And um, she sort of changed our mindset as a squad about sort of hydration and what you're putting into your body. And mm. I certainly think that that helped. And I sort of carried on her principles through my career. And I think the older you get as well, Tony, the, you know, um, you do look after yourself and you just look at that. Um, you're trying to preserve what you've got because, you know, with Scunthorpe and when I went into Gillingham, you're living off, you know, your two-year contract. So you have to, you know, you have to be better than the other guy that's after your place. So you need to do them little things and look after yourself and do the right things off the pitch and put the right things in your body. So, you know, I think that was certainly a factor to doing that, obviously doing a little bit extras and keep myself strong and, um, you know, doing a little bit extra in training and um, that certainly helped. I always did a little bit extra afterwards and, and, and I mean, just touch on a little story. Um, it was during the period of when I'd been injured and I was, um, I remember a training session after um, and I wasn't in the team and I was doing, uh, basically Sam, I was, I was just thinking, wow, do I need to improve again? I was working my feet just to be a bit quicker to react to stuff in defence and I was getting one of the lads to sort of throw a ball over my head and I was sort of like, like turning and sort of doing almost doing like you know for a kick and it wasn't sort of to be sort of fancy of just sort of trying to work my feet out so I could sort of turn quickly and clear stuff. I remember Dave Moore was manager at the time and Fordy came past and they were like not derogatory but like sort of laughing and going what are you doing that for and you know and anyway I sort of persevered with it and carried on and it sort of as a younger lad, I'm a confidence of it. I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying really hard here to try to push away and then the manager sort of laughing at me. And then we played Cambridge away later in that season. And um, I don't think it was in goal at the time. I can't think off the top of my head. But um, keepers come out and, and drop one. And it's like going in off the line. And now I'm sort of gone over my head and I've basically bicycle kicked it off the line. And similar sort of drill to what I was doing. And... Um, we won the game, I think it was 2-1 and it was sort of late on. So I'm not saying it won as a game, but it certainly contributed a little bit to it. And um, when I came off the pitch, Dave came over to me and he went, he sort of put his arm around me and he went, that's why you were doing them things. He said that, you know, and I sort of like laughed about it. And, you know, so um, it's them little bit of extras afterwards. I think I always say to young lads these days, you know, you just got to do that little bit extra sort of to, to give you that edge. Let's just go back to Matty Elliott for a minute because he departed uh, for Oxford and with you trying to get improve yourself all the time, did you see that as your chance really to stake a first-team place? Yeah, I mean, I, I started off the season playing alongside Matty, which was obviously massive. You know, I'd obviously gone in pre-season and, 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 and Russ was there and stuff. And um, But, you know, I, I, I did, you know, get in the team early doors and um, so I had a decent run of it as well and um, you know, we played three at the back a few times and um, I think to start off we maybe played three at the back with like Grezzo was swing back and stuff so you know to put, go into the team alongside Matty and Russ who was obviously very experienced as well was was fantastic as a young centre half um, but when Matt left you just think to yourself well here we go and then the sign Nilly who came in and sort of slotted in and again another experienced pro who 
obviously played for Wales and stuff. And I think, you know, as much as like, you want to play in the team, you know, I think, and I look back on my career as it went through, I think it's a centre-half. And I don't think I never really reached my full potential till I was in my 30s, really. And I think as a defender, you can show promise in that, but you're understanding of the game at that young age. And, you know, I played... You know, up till I was 36 full time. I played non league into my well into my 40, like mid 40s. And, you know, I think the reason I did that was one, I looked after myself. But, you know, I think that yeah, it's experience. You sort of, you know, where the ball's going to go. It's you read body and people's body language. And as a younger player, you didn't quite understand that. But playing alongside players, now Matty wasn't that old, but obviously he played quite a bit of league football. And Russ had probably played a little bit more at the time. And then Nilly coming in. But playing alongside these lads who had had that experience in league football was, was massive for me because you know, if I'd played in the Scunthorpe team with another younger lad, we sort of figure it out ourselves. Probably might have gone all right, but you know, to have that experience, not experienced heads alongside me certainly put me on a you know um, steep learning curve, but obviously brought my game on massively. And um, you know, I'm very thankful for likes of Matty and, and Russ. Yeah, shortly after Matty went, um, they signed Alan Nil, although yeah. he had, did have a notorious spell as manager. How did you rate him as a player, or how did you find him as a player? Yeah, Nilly was great. It wasn't a surprise to me that we went into management. Um, you know, Nilly was—he had an opinion, and you know, he's he's good. He was never sort of—he had this quiet manner about. Him. Obviously, a good player, brilliant in the air. He's big, big lads, and um, I, I got really well with Nilly. Um, me and him, you know, had sort of similar tastes in music. So he was in living in Manchester at the time with his wife at, at the time. And he, um, I used to go over quite a lot. And we used to go a lot of gigs together. So I sort of stuck a quite a strong friendship with Nilly um, and always got on well with him. And then obviously when he left, I sort of kept in touch with him a little bit. Um, I haven't spoke to him so much now. Obviously, he's doing fantastically well at Sheffield United with, with uh, Chris Wilder there. But, um, you know, it's always nice to start a look and, you know, the lads you've played with or been involved with, they go on and, you know, and you know, do whatever they're doing, whether it's in football, in life, as long as they're doing well, you know, I'm, I'm pleased for him. So, um, but uh, I rate Nilly. He's a good lad and he's a good addition to the squad. In your first season, um, you don't lose for a month and you get yeah. some really good results going up to Christmas. And then after Christmas, things seem to stagnate and go a little bit wrong. What do you think happened? Um, yeah, I mean, we we were on a sort of decent, like I said, decent run. And, um, I'm not quite sure when Matty left, but it wasn't, you know, maybe it's before Christmas possibly. But um, November. Yeah, that was it. I remember I remember playing Doncaster away and, you know, you know as players or someone comes down and someone has said Kenny Dalgleish there and he's watching Matty. And Barry Geldart, who was... Who, who took me to Darlington that was actually working for Blackburn at the time and he said he was coming to the game and they were watching Matty. So obviously there was a lot of heat on him at the time and, you know, and he had a, you know, we got beat 3-0 no, and he didn't have his best game but obviously, you know, he, he was doing really well and obviously went off and, and went to Leicester but, um, you know, we sort of continued on after and then, you know, and this is what I'm saying, I, you know, I've got a lot of time for Richard Money but I think, Richard, you know, we, I think what happened was um, you know, looking back now as a, as an older you know player who's gone through twenty years of football is, and, and looking back at it subjectively is that you know we, we lost some games and, and, and the performance might have dropped a bit. I think you know Richard maybe he's chopped and changed the team too much. Um, I don't think he could really find his 
the right formula and we changed formations. And, you know, I remember one game where Matt Carmichael was, you know, banging him in front and then he's playing at the back. And Matty could do that. He's very good. But then I played up front against someone and I played midfield against crew. And, you know, it was just like every week was a different team. And I know as a player, you just need that. I'm not saying you can't cope with that, but like if you're chopping and changing six or seven different positions each week, you don't really get into any rhythm. And I think that's probably a mistake that Richard maybe is making. Listen, it's not entirely down to the manager. You know, the, the performance has dropped off. And as a player, you've got to be accountable for that. And, you know, when your lads look back at it, you probably hold your hands up and think, you know, we we, we didn't help ourselves. You know, my performance levels have maybe dropped off for the second half of the season, which is not good enough. So, um, you know, it's variable things. But, um, you know, again, learning curve as players, learning curve as a manager, really. And, um, you know, I think it was Northampton we played away. They weren't doing great at the time. We lost 4-0 and it was a, it was one of them. So you come off the pitch and you think, you know, have we lost that game like that? And I can remember... I remember it well. <laughs> yeah. It was a night it, match. Yeah, it was one of, one of the worst games I've played for Scunthorpe. And you just, we just, just didn't look a team in it. You know, Richard obviously left. And then Dave took over. Dave Moore, Dave Moore took over. What did yeah. he do any different? Um, he gives a kick up the arse. Well, that's what he did. So he, he, um, he went back to a basic game plan. This is what we're doing. We're going to work hard, you know, play in the right areas, be hard to beat, um, you know, and that was sort of Dave's ethos, really. And, um, I, you know, I like Dave. He was obviously physio at the time, but a lot of respect for him as a play, ex-player as well anyway. And, um, you know, if Dave talked, the lads listened. And, um, you, know, you know, this is the thing, you know, like if you look at it, like, and I said to you that second season, like Dave, I wasn't really part of Dave's plans to start with. But I do respect him massively. And, I, you know, the one thing I'd say about him was he was very honest. And um, you can't always say that about all the managers I've had over the years. Um, you know, Dave was very honest. Mick Buxton, very honest. Blasey, pretty honest. You know, it was, you know, you knew where you stood. And that's what you wanted as a player. You might not have liked it at the time. Um, because obviously, as a player, you want to play. But, you know, he was like, look, you know, this is how I see it. And, and at the time, you're thinking, well, I don't really agree with you, but you knew where you stood. Whereas, you know, I've played for managers pass, so I'm just giving you a bit of a rest this weekend. You know what it's like? It's just like, oops, it's bullshit. It's just like, you know, just just tell me the truth. That's what I want to know, you know. So, you know, Dave came in and, you know, the following season, when I wasn't out with the team and the team were doing well, you know, I had a good start the season again. And um, again, you've got to accept that and go, look, the lads are doing well. I'm, you know, I've got my work out. We should try and get back in the team. But um, I like Dave. I had a lot of time for him. Um, I know he's still involved over at Grimsby. And um, But yeah, I had a lot of time for Dave Moore. You know, good block. Um, yes, Dave took pride in having an empty treatment room. He, yeah, soon, he, did, got, yes. he soon got players off the table, didn't he? If they went yeah. in injured, he yeah. didn't look about treating them. He got them ready as quickly as he could. I remember that. Yeah. Let's yeah. move on to the next season, 94-95. Dave's given the job, as you've just said, permanently. And you're in the first leg of the League Cup, and the Iron caused quite an upset by beating First Division Uddersfield 2-1. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, you know, that was you know fantastic for a club. Again, you know, it was a game that I, I, I wasn't involved with. Um, and it's hard as much as I was. You know, I've never been one of these players that's out of the team. You know, I've, I've seen and played with lads who, like, you know, you know, deep down they're gutted and they, they like, can't wait to 
the team to fail so they can get back in. I was never like that. I just, you know, because I'm part of the club and you want them to do well, you want to get back in the team, absolutely. But I remember that game, you know, watching it and the lads were fantastic at the time. And so like you said, the, Dave had this ethos that, you know, you could see everyone pulling together. And I think at the time, Dave was, look, you know, we'd had this sort of run the season before where, um, and I think Dave went sort of back to bed and went, look, I'm going to go experience. Um, we had quite an experienced team at the time, you know, with Nilly and, and Russ and, um, you know, he brought experience like Stevie Thorne, but people like that in and um, obviously Richard brought him in, but kept with that. And, you know, we just, that's the way, way he went down. But, you know, being part of the club when, you know, whether you're playing or not and you get a good cup result, um, you know, you can see the good feeling flowing through the club and um, everyone's happy and, you know, the people in the office are happy, the, you know, the chairman's happy. So it's a good place to be a football club when things are going well. So, uh, yeah. Well, the FA Cup game you won't forget, Chris, yeah. is the Bradford one, where it took yeah. them only 20 seconds to, 26 seconds to score, but yeah. you've got one. Yeah, I mean, that's my first ever goal for Scunthorpe and um, yeah it was too, it was like I say it's a two yard tapping I think that's doing it a disservice I think it was about a yard but um, <laughs> you know you got to be got to be in the right place it was I remember it just sort of a bit of a scramble I'm sort of at the the back post just fell to me tapped it in you know and um, it was nice because I'd had chances obviously the season before and my you know, when I played in youth teams and stuff and at Forest, Darlington youth team stuff, I'd always scored goals, you know, like a lot from corners, headers, stuff like that. And um, it was nice to sort of like um, get off the mark and it sort of took a monkey off my back a little bit, really. And, you know, from then on after that, I mean, I wasn't a prolific scorer, but I always just sort of chip in each season, maybe, you know, three, four or five, something like that. And, um, yeah, so that was, a, that was a nice feeling just to get off the mark and feel like you're contributing, really. Yeah, um, again, the second leg against Bradford, um, the go- their goalkeeper was sent off for an awful challenge on Christian Sampson, leaving, yeah. him, leaving him considerable treatment. How did that sort of uh, retaliate through the team? Yeah, I mean, I remember the challenge. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, um, and Chris, um, you know, he he was a quick lad anyway and he was travelling at pace and... Uh, yeah, I mean, when you're playing, um, you don't ever like to see any of your teammates get injured or hurt. Especially, I, I don't think it happens too much now, to go any because obviously the rules and regulations that you know on tackling people are more careful. Don't get me wrong; there's still your challenge that people are late, but you know, you know, and I know back then and even before around, you know, you could you know, there was some pretty dangerous tackles going in and you maybe get a yellow card for it but that was naughty that one and um, you know obviously revs the lads up and it does it you know you can if if you do see one of your mates hurt or you know on the thick end of, of whatever abuse on the pitch or whatever it is it certainly is a team it does galvanise you and uh, certainly gets you uh, pumped up for it yeah Scunthorpe win that one 3-2 and it's a 30 yard strike from Graham Alexander that gives you that winning scoreline can you remember anything of that goal yeah, I mean, Grezzer had a habit of smashing them in from 25, 35 yards out. It's, um, you know, no, it's no secret. Me and Grezzer were good mates. Um, like you say, he helped me settle in there. And then uh, me and him had a flat together, not like probably about 500 yards from the ground, really. So, um, you know, we used to knock about with each other quite a bit. And um, But yeah, he's, he's a fantastic player. I mean, he was, 
when I first joined the club, I, you know, you start stressing everyone out. And you're thinking, this lad, you know, he's two-footed. You know, he's, he, he can shoot with both feet equally powerful. You know, he can find a pass. He's, he's a good defender. He, he talks well for a younger lad. I mean, Greg's only a year older than me, I think, at the time. But he, he seems to talk like an older pull-up pro. Um, but yeah, yeah, fantastic strike in that game. But he made a habit of it. I mean, he used to do it all the time. But I think one of my favourite ones was um, pressing away on the Astro turf pitches there. And he smashed one in from about 35 yards and we won the game 1-0, which we had to, I think we had to lend their uh, away kicks. We forgot our kit or something. So, and um, But yeah, he, he had a habit of that. And it was... So it was no surprise if he picked the ball up 25 yards out and rifled one in. You know, he's got that in the locker all day long. So, uh, yeah, great strike, good way to, you know, obviously win the game. And um, fantastic, another game, fantastic result. And your next uh, top game was against Birmingham. And for the first uh, away leg, it was nil-nil, but nonetheless an entertaining game. And it was yeah. on television. And it was one of the first League Cup matches to be shown, wasn't it, on TV? Yeah, I think um, remembering values like Barry Fry and stuff were involved there, and um, you know, the uh, yeah on the TV, which obviously was a big deal for the club at the time. And um, again, the lads played fantastically away from home um, against a, a very good Birmingham team. You know, they were sort of doing really well at the time. So um, obviously, going in as massive underdogs, but um, to the boys, did credit again. Like say, it was a typical sort of. Dave Moore performance, defended well, dug in, you know, but caused them a few issues as well. So, um, yeah, it's there on the telly. Again, it was it, it was good for the club. And, um, you know, we over the years, we sort of had a, you know, a couple of times being on the telly, which was which was nice. And, you know, for a club like Scunthorpe or anyone, you know, even these days, it's, um, you know, if you're on the telly, it's, again, it's, it's good in, income for the club. Right, and uh, in around December of that season, John Eyre joins the club. How important was he to Scunthorpe United? Yeah, I mean, as he come in and, um, you know, a bit like a rock star with his long hair and, um, you know, he settled right in. Um, and that's the one thing I'll say about my time at Scunthorpe. I've never been, over my seven-year period, I've never been, I had a bad dressing room there. And um, like you say, we used to, they party hard, but we socialised together. Everyone sort of lived quite close. And, um, you know, as he was living in Hull, and you had, like, David Doria and that who came over with him. And um, we, he settled straight in. And you could see, if with his, again, with his colleague, Johnny, was, he was quick, he's direct. He probably had something we hadn't really had over the years before that. Um, we had some very good players up front. But Johnny was a bit different, you know. He, again, you know, he had this turn of pace, eye for goal. Again, he could shoot well from both feet and he, he wasn't afraid to shoot from distance. But I just think it gave us that little bit of spark, really. And you could, you could see from early doors that he was a you know a pure finisher, um, very good, um, let's say, good lads, um, right sense of humour. And another lad who I got on really well with and sort of struck up a good friendship with. With the players signed that season, really expectations weren't met and uh, you finished seventh quite disappointingly. But I suppose you've got to blame defeats at Doncaster 5-0 and others that uh, people expected you to win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, I think we sort of followed that pattern for a couple of years, to be honest. Um, it's interesting that, you know, I was talking to my son about it, you know, and looking back at when I was playing, even now, and I hope this comes over all right, and, 
you know, it's just the way I, I look at things. But, you know, when you break it down and you look at football, as, and as a Middlesbrough supporter myself, so, like, I'm looking at it from the other side of the fences. I'm sort of quite realistic. I know that as a football team and a club, you know, unless you're, like, one of the big boys, you're not always going to be successful each season. You're absolutely 100%. You know, I've always felt the start of every season, and I think you've interviewed me not enough to say, you know, probably even that season, can you still get in the playoffs? And I would have said, yeah, 100% we can, even though the chances were probably slim. But, um, you know, I've always looked at that, you know, the expectations of fans and some, sometimes it's it's hard because you're so passionate about your club. But, you know, when you think about it, clubs can't be successful every single year. Um, and I had a conversation over Twitter about, you know, managers being at clubs for a bit longer and giving time and stuff like that and um, because they used to I don't think so much these days and you know sometimes it, a manager doesn't quite fit in but the point I'm trying to make is that we had to go through them seasons of not quite making it or learning from mistakes we'd made to eventually the season when we did eventually go probably helped us massively to go through them seasons where we you know maybe didn't reach the levels we were supposed to um there was disappointments, but you know, looking back, that that certainly helps you in the longer run to get success. And when you do get success, it means more. You know, it's a club like Scunthorpe, and, and you know, it's a club I'm passionate about. Is that you know, you look at the I can only say from when I started joining, but then you know, you get you get personally attached to that club. And even when I left and you start looking out for results and they have a, you know, went back down and, and then have some, but then to see them sort of kick on again and go up leagues and then in the championship. And I remember going to watch them play Newcastle and stuff in the championship and beating them. And you just think, this is fantastic. And the, for the fans, it's like you have, as it's going to support, you've had a lot of seasons of um, disappointment and not quite reaching the heights, but then it sort of makes the seasons where you do have success a bit sweeter. Um, I think it'd be pretty bloody boring if you were sort of top of the league every every year and winning a league. So, um, you know, as a Middlesbrough fan, I know that very well and we're sort of having a season like that. But, you know, you're always hopeful that the, you know, the following season is going to be a good one. So, yeah, we didn't reach the heights that season and the seasons beyond that. But because um, a lot of the players sort of hung around for quite a few seasons after that. And I think that certainly helped us get promotion in the years later. 95-96, the big news of that summer was Graham Alexander went to Luton for £100,000. Paul Wilson is signed and that sets off to a good start to the season. A good run, especially in October, beating Lake Norrington 2-0 at home, with you scoring the second goal. Can you remember that one? Yeah, I can. I always sort of had a... It was one of them clubs already where we always seem to do all right against. And, um, you know, again, another good start to the season. And um, it started to sort of get frustrating as I was at the club for longer. You're thinking, we had a good start. And then we just seemed to sort of blow up couldn't really put our finger on it for whatever reason. And, um, you know, it's all right starting. Well, we've got to maintain that. Or you can, you can have with your blip here and there, but you've got to sort of, you know, push through towards the end. And we sort of really didn't do that last season either. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I remember the game. And, um, you know, that, that was sort of, you know, starting to sort of establish myself in the team as, as a regular then and, and um, sort of going on this run of, of games I had and I was getting more confidence. Again, I've always sort of had an opinion and 
Um, that's probably helped me sort of eventually be captain at the club. But um, I, I felt like when I first joined the club, I was there was a lot of experienced players, so I sort of just got on with it and sort of kept quiet. Um, whereas now I felt like I had an input because I've been there a little while and you know was able to sort of have a voice. And you know, if I think things weren't going right, then we're brave enough to stand up in front in the dressing room and you know dig lads out if they needed to. You know, so. Um, yeah, again, you know, we we had some good players come in that season, but, um, you know, again, frustrating, good start, but we saw never followed it through, really. Following that, you achieved a record for Scunthorpe United in an away game at Torquay with an 8-1 victory. Yeah. Can you remember much about that? I remember a lot about that because um, I actually got injured in that game. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Looking back at my, you know, times at, um, you know, we say we had that great result at Torquay. We've always sort of did well at Exeter. So even though it was like probably at the time our longest journeys away, we always seemed to do okay when we were down in sort of Cornwall and, and Devon that way. And, and um, yeah, I remember the game, Andy McFarland, obviously he got four yeah. and we spread the goals around. And, um, you know, Torquay at the time was doing okay. And, you know, it was just one of them. We just like every time we had a shot, we scored. And I think it was something like 7 0 at the time. And I jumped for a header and I turned my ankle. I got carried off, and they had this, these two old boys with like an old fashioned stretcher. And um, I had to go behind the goal, and they really dropped me um, right in front <laughs> of the talkie fans, which was um, entertaining for them, not so much for me. And um, But anyway, after the game, like, you know, Dave was in charge, he was buzzing, and like, it was such a long journey back. and that was in the days where there was only one coach, so I had to have a stop off. So I had to sit on the back seat and now surrounded by crates of beer, like the lads went mental and just got like a lot of beers in. Obviously, it was a, like a fantastic result at the time. So I had my leg in ice and, um, you know, all the merriment was going around me and I was in a bit of pain. But, you know, um, that aside, it was a fantastic performance. I got every goal in commentary in rhyme. Um, yeah, did you? One to eight. Yeah, never forget that. Um, <laughs> but after that, things uh, seemed to go downhill a little bit. There was a winless run of nine, uh, and only two points were gained that winter. Uh, yeah. And by March, you were third from the bottom. What went wrong? I don't know. We really don't. You know, you, you, you have results like that. Like, you know, touch on before, you go through these spells where, you know, you, you'll have a bad result and think, that's all right, we're going to turn it around and then sort of, it spirals into a losing, and you know, you got to the bottom. You're thinking, you know, and you know, looking back, the squad we had, we should have been nowhere near the bottom, and it was a you know terrible run. You know, I, I missed a part of that through injury, but then you know, so I came back towards the end of it and didn't really contribute <laughs> anything else to it. Um, but again, you know, these tough times, it you know, you sort of learn from it, and uh, we finished the season quite strong. Um, and obviously pushed ourselves back up the league again. But you know, it was it was funny that we had that them seasons where we sort of, we were so patchy. We'd sort of start really well and we'd have a bad run, then we'd sort of finish well, or we'd have a really good start of the season up to Christmas and then fall away towards the end. But it, it seemed to be like we'd start well, have like this terrible sort of run, and then finish well, but then not quite make the playoffs or you know promotion or whatever it was really. The Scunthorpe board weren't very patient and they sacked Dave Moore. Mick Buxton, he's brought back in again. You didn't play for him naturally the, the first time. He's brought back for a second spell. What did you make of Mick Buxton? I like Mick. He was proper old school. Um, you know, a few of the lads knew him and they were saying, look, he's going to be really hard to train in and 
you know, they were worried about that. And I remember his first training session we did, we went up to the park and he ran the balls off us. We'd like, God, God, it was like four 12-minute runs and like sprints in between, like people being sick. And, you know, it was just like, it was horrible. And um, But, you know, he was, that was his way. But, you know, again, I touched back, I like Mick. He was a very, very honest guy. Knew the game inside and out. Um, he just wanted a team that worked hard for him and was fit and, you know, uh, organised. He had very, very high standards, you know. Um, you know, he had this dry sense of humour and some of the lads couldn't really work him out, but I was going well with him. But he just, like, I just liked his way. He just, like, you know, he stood in the middle of the training ground, the ball would be, like, like he'd be 40 yards away. And he went, oh, give me that ball. So he hit the ball to him. It'd be a yard away from him. And he just, he'd just look at you with disgust and go, but he's terrible. You know, I mean, thinking that's not a ball, actually, but, you know, he's just like, he wanted perfection. Um, but, you know, again, he he was the first manager where, actually, even though he was quite old school, he's quite modern in his thinking, so his planning was meticulous. You know, he would, he knew all the teams we were playing against and we'd always have a meeting on a Friday and he'd write up their sort of post team or what their team was in the last game. And the team that and he'd go in quite in depth, you know, like lads now get like these dossiers and stuff about players and what they do and stuff. But Mick knew this all inside. But what he wanted to do is sort of impart his knowledge on us. So it was almost like a test, like we'd get in there and he'd be going like I'd be playing centre half and he'd be going like I don't know, it'd be like um Andy Savile was at Cardiff at the time, he'd go, Do you know him? And I go, Yeah, and he go, What's he what's he like? And he go, Well, he holds the ball up, he's good in the air. So you have to know his strong points and weak points. And he just look at you and he nod his head and he think, right, you're okay, you're prepared. And um funny story with that was um when Alex signed and obviously Alex didn't have any English in the locker at all. He didn't know any English at all. So me and Tony sort of took him under our wing a bit and we sort of taught him, we're teaching him English, but probably the wrong stuff, all the slang and <laughs> football, you know. So um, so he didn't, you know, he knew all the swear words before he knew that anything that was sort of, and, in, and every, a lot of northeast words as well. So um, we were sort of taught, teaching him sort of northeast slang. Um, but anyway, Mick had, Alex had got in the team and Mick had said to Alex, he went, oh, do you know that who this lad is? And Alex didn't have a clue what he was going on about. And Mick just stood in front of him. He went, he's big and strong and sort of like did like a muscle sort of tense. And he went like a bull and then put put his two fingers to his head to sort of imitate a bull. And you could see Alex looking at him going, what is this madman on about? You know, he was just like, <laughs> we were in stitches, but, you know, just Alex was like clueless what was going on. But that was Mick down to it, see. But I like Mick. He was, he was a good bloke. Well, the amount of players we've, had, we've interviewed and asked about Mick Buxton and people rate him, trust him, although yeah. he was hard. And I always termed him when I was commentating as the big stick man, because he could come into a club at the getting towards the end of the season near the bottom of the division and get them to yeah. safety. But he didn't seem yeah. to be able to manage team long term. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he when he came in, Mick, and I was thinking, yeah, this guy's gonna be around for a while and you know, we again we had some decent results under Mick and I, I played a lot for, for Mick. I played sort of playing centre half play I remember playing right back, right wing back. I played left back against Lincoln, but that's I think that's what I'm saying about Mick being a bit sort of ahead of his time a little bit. I remember um, we were playing Lincoln away it was midweek, and they had like Huckabee and Matt Carbon at the time playing up front, who were 
sort of Lincoln were doing well. It was the old fashioned sort of booting and get on the end of things, sort of link, typical Lincoln. And um, he he put the team up and he said, Hope you say, I'm going to play you left back. And I'm sort of scratching my head thinking, Well, oh, I can play a left back, but I haven't played it very often. And he, and he said, Look, what they do is they look for the big guy to Matt Carbon, who comes in off the right wing. He heads it for Huckabee and he gets on the end of things. And and I understood that because my biggest strength was heading the ball. So he's thinking, right, I'm going to put my one of my best headers up against one of their best headers and sort of nullify that. And I remember in the game, I was like, I must have headed about 50 balls. But, you know, I got the better of him on the night and he didn't really he sort of cut away their sort of strong attacking threat. And, um, you know, and then the next game, I was back at centre-half or right back or whatever it was. So, you know, so Mick was a thinker of the game. He, he certainly probably more tactical than people give him credit for, you know, and try to outfox the, you know. And then I, I had a lot of time for him. I was sorry to see him go, to be fair, because I really liked him. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 